Tonight we're beginning a new study uh, that I hope will be very informative for you and it's going to take three or four weeks to really dig into it. Tonight we're going to kind of give you the broad picture of it and then next week we'll start digging a little bit deeper in this subject of Jesus in the Old Testament. I think if you were to ask the average Baptist, uh, where do you find Jesus in the Bible, the answer would likely be the four Gospels, right? I mean, that makes sense. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's where you find Jesus in the Bible. Uh, If you were to talk to somebody who perhaps was a little bit more of a Bible student, they'd say, well, you you can also find Jesus in the book of Acts. You can find Jesus in the book of Revelation. And if you talk to somebody who really gave it a little bit more thought, they'd probably say, well, actually, Jesus is found in the general epistles and the pastoral epistles as, as well. So, in other words... If you give it enough thought, you would come to the conclusion probably that the entire New Testament really is about Jesus. In one form or another, you see Jesus in the entire New Testament. What you may not know is that Jesus shows up often in the Old Testament. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the next several weeks. Now, He shows up in the Old Testament not by name. He doesn't have the name Jesus in the Old Testament. But he's there nonetheless. He he doesn't show up in the Old Testament in the same form. He's not bodily present like he was in in the New Testament. But he is there nonetheless. So over the next few weeks, really what we're going to be doing is to look at the various ways that we see Jesus in the Old Testament. So tonight, the title, if you're taking notes, the title tonight of this study is The Central Figure of Scripture. The central figure of Scripture. You see, really the theme of the entire Bible. If you look up here for just a moment, this is my study Bible. Uh, The theme of the entire Bible is Jesus Christ. In fact, you could say, you you know how at Christmas time we say Jesus is the reason for the season? You could say Jesus is the reason for the Bible. You might want to write that down. Jesus really is the reason for the Bible. I want you to think about this. The main reason that you and I have a Bible is so that we can understand what God has done for us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the living Word, right? That, uh, that fulfills the written Word. And the entire Bible points to what God has done to offer reconciliation, the hope of forgiveness, and eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you open up your Bible to the book of Acts, for example, and really the entire New Testament, you see uh, that even from the New Testament perspective, the apostolic writers, the apostles, as they were writing their letters, as they were writing their books, as, as they were writing about what God was doing, that they often they often kept pointing back to the Old Testament. The story of the Old Testament isn't just a story that seems to end in the Old Testament. The story of the Old Testament seems to be going somewhere. There seems to be an anticipation of something else that's going to happen. An anticipation of something else that's going to be fulfilled. An anticipation that something else is going on in the Old Testament that's greater than just that moment in history. That in the Old Testament, yes, this is happening, but there's something greater going on, and we're not quite sure what it is, but when we get to the New Testament, 
we're able to comprehend all that was happening in the Old and the New Testament. So when you read the writings in the New Testament, it's clear that really the story of the Old Testament is simply pointing to Jesus in the New Testament. And so I want to approach this from several directions tonight. Uh, And again, let me just emphasize, we're going to kind of give you a broad perspective tonight. And next Sunday night, Lord willing, we're going to try to dig a little deeper into some of these various aspects. And uh, so tonight, we're going to spend a lot of time in the New Testament as we talk about the Old Testament. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll get a little bit deeper into Old Testament passages and show you Jesus in the Old Testament. But, so I'm going to try to give you the kind of the, the big points so that you can write down notes if you're taking notes. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is that Jesus himself confirmed that he is in the Old Testament. This is an interesting point for me. Jesus himself confirmed that he is in the Old Testament. That's the first point. And I would just say it this way. There is no finer teacher on whether Jesus is found in the pages of the Old Testament than the teaching of Jesus himself. I want to give you three examples of that. The first example is found in Luke chapter 4. Would you take God's word? I told you we wouldn't spend a lot of time in the New Testament tonight. But, but I want to show you Luke chapter 4. And I want you to talk with me, walk through this with me. I want you to participate, if you will. And, and so, the text that we're going to be looking at is verses 14 through 21, if you're taking notes. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. But before we even read the text, I want you to find the context. So, just look at the chapter headings, for example. And Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter 3, it says the chapter heading, John the Baptist prepares the way. And then the second part of chapter 3 says the baptism and genealogy of Jesus. Chapter heading on chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus. And then we come to the next part of chapter 4 that says Jesus rejected at Nazareth. So I want you to get this context. Jesus is early in his ministry. In fact, Luke says that he he experiences the temptation. And then after the temptation experience, time with with Satan, after those 40 days of being tempted in the wilderness, Luke then says, and Jesus, after that time, went back home. Let's pick up the story, chapter 4, verse 14. I'm going to read some verses and ask you some questions as we go. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through, through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Now let me stop right there. Let's talk for a moment. This story that we're going to read about Jesus, obvious question, but where does it occur? Nazareth, let's locate a little bit more narrow. Where in Nazareth? Alright, he's he's teaching in the synagogue. And when is he there? Of course, he's there on the Sabbath day. Now, so he's back home. And, and Luke goes, makes the point, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is his hometown. Luke is making that point. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, 
And here's what he read. It's actually Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. That's the text he was reading. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, let me ask you a very obvious question. What book was he reading from? Old Testament or New Testament? Old Testament. He's reading from the Old Testament. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And as he reads this section of Scripture, it's actually Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. As he reads this Scripture, after he reads it, in the synagogue, in his hometown of Nazareth, verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying, today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I literally wrote in my Bible, wow, beside that verse. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying that when Isaiah wrote these words in the Old Testament, he was actually writing about Jesus. That he wasn't just writing randomly. Jesus himself said when Isaiah wrote these words, Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, that when Isaiah wrote these words, he was actually writing about me. Today, that scripture, that Old Testament scripture, has been fulfilled in your hearing. When Isaiah wrote that, he was writing about me. I'll give you another example. Uh, Move to the right and find the Gospel of John and go to chapter 5. John chapter 5. This is an amazing scripture. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Uh, let's go to verse uh, verse 45. I really want to focus on verse 46, but... Jesus is in a discussion with some religious leaders. They have challenged him about some things regarding the Old Testament and the Scriptures. And uh, he says, for example, in verse 39, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about who? Me. Do you know what scriptures he was referring to? What scriptures would these men be studying? They would be studying the Old Testament. At this time, the New Testament had not been written. And Jesus is writing or, or speaking to these religious leaders, these Jews. What would they have been studying? They would have been studying what we would call the Hebrew Bible. And Jesus, as he's in this dialogue with these people, said, You're, you study these scriptures diligently because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Jesus himself was saying, listen, the Old Testament is written about me. And, and then skip down. Verse 45 and 46. But do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. 
Now let me remind you the books that Moses wrote in the Old Testament. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. We call it the Pentateuch. The books of five. He wrote the first five books of the, Pente- uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, some of the books of, the old, of those first five, Genesis for example, are, are books talking about all that God did to bring about creation and, and all that God did to bring about the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus and following. Uh, according to Jesus, the things that Moses wrote about As he wrote about those historical events, he was in essence, according to Jesus, he was in essence writing about Jesus. In fact, all the New Testament writers seem to stress or assume, as you read through the New Testament, that the Old Testament rightly read points to the Lord Jesus. Read it again, don't take my word for it, verse 46. If you believed Moses, if you really believed those first five books of the Old Testament, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Those first five books of the Old Testament, Jesus said, it's not just historical books. Not just books about creation, but he wrote about me. Now let me give you a third example. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This is the one that, you know, just kind of, blew me away years ago when I first saw this. And uh, Let me give you the context of this. Uh, Jesus was walking with two disciples after his resurrection. They did not recognize him. They're on the road to Emmaus. They do not recognize who he is post-resurrection. And he says to them, Verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's, he's chastising them because they're slow to believe what, they, what has been written in the Old Testament. And then he says in verse 26, did not the Christ or the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And verse 27, I have that highlighted and underlined in my Bible. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That is, Jesus began to walk through the Old Testament. As he walked through the Old Testament with them, trying to teach them, he started with Moses, first five books of the Old Testament. He started with Moses, he moved through the prophets, and he explained to them how the Old Testament talked about him. How the Old Testament pointed to him. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. The three parts of the Hebrew Old Testament Bible are right there. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the three parts of the Hebrew Old Testament Bible. And Jesus said, read it one more time. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Jesus, there is nobody as clear as Jesus when it comes to this idea. Is Jesus in the Old Testament? Again and again and again, Jesus tried to help the people he was uh, preaching to and teaching, help them understand that, yes, indeed, the Old Testament was written about Him. The Old Testament pointed to Him. Jesus is easily found throughout the Old Testament. The Scriptures, both old and new, speak with one voice, and they speak about Jesus. 
Now, the second thing that I want to talk about tonight uh, is this. Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Finding, that's the second point if you're taking notes. Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. And as we talk about this, I want to give you two points of clarification that I think are very important that that I want to state tonight so that we don't get off base uh, uh, in the next week or two. Two points of clarification as we study Jesus in the Old Testament. Here's the first one. We need to be careful because sometimes we can overreach as we look for Jesus in the Old Testament. Just be cautious as you're looking, trying to find Jesus in the Old Testament. For example, and I've never read this guy's book, so this is not a a critique of his book, but I'm just dealing with the title right now. Uh, There was a man named David Murray who wrote a book called Jesus on Every Page. And his thesis is that you can find Jesus on every page of the Old Testament. And the subtitle to his book is 10 Simple Ways to Seek and to Find Christ in the Old Testament. I'm sure there's some good things in his book. Again, I have not read it. I have no doubt that there's some good things in his book. Uh, But let me just give you my perspective as I understand it. I absolutely believe that Jesus is the theme of the entire Bible. He's the central figure of the entire Bible. But I'm not sure that we could say that you can find Jesus on every page of the Bible. I mean, that sounds good, doesn't it? But I'm just not sure that it's true. So let me summarize the Bible for you. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five statements here. Let me summarize basically the Bible for you and show you that indeed Jesus is the theme of the Bible and you can find Him throughout the entire Bible. I'm just not ready to say you can find Him on every page. Does that make sense? Just trying to give us a word of caution here that we don't go too far and say, oh, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Let's try to make sure that we're staying within the bounds of Scripture. So let me give you five statements. To summarize Jesus in the Bible. I'm going to summarize the entire Bible for you with these five statements. Number one, the Old Testament records the preparation for Jesus. The Old Testament records the preparation for Jesus. Statement number one. Number two, the Gospels record the manifestation of Jesus. The Gospels is the record of the manifestation of Jesus. He came into our world. He he came to make God known. The manifestation of Jesus. So the Old Testament records the preparation for Jesus. The, The Gospels record the manifestation of Jesus. The book of Acts gives us the propagation of the message of Jesus. That is, how the message of Jesus spread. The the propagation of the message of Jesus. The New Testament letters provide the explanation for the two comings of Jesus. When you read beyond Acts and you get to all of those letters, it really is, you boil it down, an explanation for the two different comings of Jesus. His first coming and His second coming. And then finally, the book of Revelation documents the consummation of all things in Christ. Or all things in Jesus. So that's why I say the entire Bible really is about Him. But don't try to find Jesus in every verse. And don't try to find Jesus on every page. Just try to understand the theme and what the author is showing us about who Jesus is. In the New Testament, yes, but also in the Old Testament. Now, that's the first clarification. Don't try to find Jesus on every page. Second clarification is this one. The proper starting point in looking for Jesus in the Old Testament 
Listen carefully. Now follow along. The proper starting point for finding Jesus in the Old Testament is not to start in Genesis 1 and read forward. The starting point is to start in the New Testament and look back from the lens of the Gospel. That you'll better understand what God was trying to say. Not if you start in Genesis and start reading. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But you'll have a better understanding of what God was trying to do in the Old Testament if you look at it from the lens of the New Testament. From the lens of the Gospel. Let me give you an example of this so you'll see what I'm talking about. Go with me to a wonderful story in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. You know this story, I bet. It's the story of Abraham being tested, sacrificed his son Isaac, the story of his faith and the story of his commitment. I just want you to see how the story unfolds. And I want you to see if anything sounds familiar in the story as I read it. Sometime later, chapter 22, verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And He said to him, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, I want you to see if any of this sounds familiar. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice there. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I tell you about. For sake of time, we're going to skip down to verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I wish we had time to really kind of study that, but let me just give you some introductory, or not introductory, but uh, just some quick notes about that. He says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Does that scripture sound familiar at all? Any phrasing in that scripture sound familiar as far as from the Old Testament perspective? I think I hear some mumbling. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. If we were just reading from the New Testament, or I'm sorry, from the Old Testament, reading in Genesis and going forward, we could read the story of Abraham and say, wow, that is an incredible story. Incredible story about commitment to God and sacrifice and faith, and it's an amazing story. But if we read that same story from the lens of the New Testament, we can make some correlations and realize that this is not just a story of Abraham. It really is a story of what God was doing with Jesus. Because it says in verse 13, or I'm sorry, it says in verse um, 8, God Himself will provide the Lamb. Now, look at verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over, and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Again, if we were just reading that from an Old Testament perspective, we would say, what an amazing story. And, but, but 
If we read it from the New Testament looking back, we understand that this is the first substitutionary sacrifice recorded in Scripture. One, one life being taken for another is mentioned here for the first time in Scripture. As the ram died in Isaac's place, so Jesus will also one day die. There, therefore, we would not be surprised when we read in John chapter 1, verse 29. Look, look in John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29 says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. This is at the very first of his ministry. John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Verse 36, When he saw Jesus passing by, he said it again the next day, Look, the Lamb of God Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Let me give you another scripture to tie all this together. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Here's what we read. Let's start in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, watch this, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? We don't have the time to go into that story in detail, but I think that you can understand that when you look in the Old Testament, you read the story of Abraham and the sacrifice of His Son, His one and only Son, and God Himself will provide the Lamb that later in the New Testament, that is exactly what God did. God Himself provided the Lamb. He did what he would, did not expect Abraham to do. He stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Jesus was in the New Testament. Yes, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he was, the picture was painted for us in the Old Testament. In the story of Abraham. While you're in Romans, by the way, go over to Romans chapter 1. You're in Romans. Let's just read this before we go on. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, verses 1 through 4, this is, this is so good. Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You might want to write in parentheses the Old Testament. When he's talking about the Holy Scriptures, New Testament has not been written yet. And he talks about this gospel has been promised beforehand through His prophets, the Old Testament prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, or in the Old Testament. Watch this. The gospel He promised beforehand, through His prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, regarding His Son. The Old Testament was promising the coming of His Son, whom as to His human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God, by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus our Lord. Just want you to see here that the prophets looked in the Holy Scriptures, which was the Old Testament, regarding His Son, verse 3, which was Jesus. Alright, so I wanted to end kind of with a bang here, alright? So I've kind of given you a survey, and again, next week we're going to start looking in the Old Testament. But I wanted to kind of end with a bang. So if you're taking notes, here's the third point, the final point. 
New Testament authors pointed to Jesus' presence in the Old Testament. New Testament authors pointed to Jesus' presence in the Old Testament. So let me give you four examples of that. I think it's three or four. So John chapter 8. We're just going to read these. We don't have time to really get into it, but we're just going to read these. I'm just trying to show you how the New Testament authors pointed to Jesus specifically that he was in the Old Testament. All right? John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. Here's what we read. Uh, Well, let's start in verse 54. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Now, starting in verse 56, read carefully, 56 through 58. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. In other words, the I am in the story of Abraham was Jesus. And he tried to explain this to the guys, these religious leaders, and they wanted to stone him because he dared to insinuate that he was the I am am of the Old Testament. Now, it gets even better. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is the one. I, I was reading through Hebrews 11 one day and I saw this like, oh my goodness. How did I miss that all these years? You know the story of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. We all understand that, we get that, we've heard that, we've read that. Then in verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of who? Catch that? He regarded disgrace for the... This is Moses in the Old Testament. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. The one who motivated Moses was Christ. He said, preacher, can you explain that to me? No, I don't think I can. Except to say, the writer of Hebrews said, the thing that motivated Moses was Christ. Now, Jude chapter 5 is another one. That, that book is in the New Testament near the end, right before Revelation. I've been reading through Jude thinking one day in the future I might preach or teach from this book. And as I was reading through it recently, I, he, the author talks about the Redeemer who brings them out of Egypt. And it fascinated me what I read. Let's start with verse 4. Jude 4. 
For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago has secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our Lord, the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our sovereign and Lord. Pause there in verse 4. How is Jesus referred to? He is referred to with two titles. What are they? Our what? Our sovereign and our our Lord. Remember that name, Lord, verse 4, as we look in verse 5. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And I, as I studied that, noting that Jesus is referred to in verse 4, and then it says, verse 5, it refers to the Lord, that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt. I was thinking that meant the Lord God. But there are some who say, some of the early manuscripts translate the Lord in verse 5 as Jesus. That Jesus delivered His people out of Egypt. Now, you might debate that one with me, but let me give you two more and we'll be done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This one is, is, this one is absolutely clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. I really want to focus on verse 4, but verse 3 says, talking about the people of God uh, who came out of the wilderness and out of Egypt, and Moses was their leader. Well, let's start in verse 2. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Ever seen that? They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ in the Old Testament. The last one that we'll go to is John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, I want to start with verse, um, getting the right chapter. John chapter 12, I want to start in verse 37. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in Him. This was to, to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. In the Old Testament, of course. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, He has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so that they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Him. Underline that in red in my Bible. Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. Isaiah, in the Old Testament, saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Him. 
I would say to you, the very center of Scripture, the key of all of Scripture is Jesus Christ. He is the central figure of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is found in the Old Testament as clearly as He is found in the New Testament. Yes, He is manifested in the New Testament, but He is clearly portrayed in the Old Testament as well. And if you'll come back next Sunday, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, we're going to go into the Old Testament and begin to look at some of these places where we literally see Jesus, not by name, not by in bodily form, but where we literally see Jesus in the Old Testament. So I hope you'll be back next week for that as well. Thank you so much. God bless. Thanks for being here tonight.